Hello, this is Salim from newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 13th of January. India recorded 2,47,470 new cases of coronavirus in the last 24 hours, pushing the total infection tally to a 3.63 crore. The number of new infections is significantly higher than yesterday's count of 1,94,720 cases. With 380 deaths in the past 24 hours, the cumulative death toll has climbed to 4,85,035. Cases of the Omicron variant of coronavirus rose to 5,488 today from yesterday's count of 4,868. As per recent data, the highest number of Omicron infections have been reported from Maharashtra so far and stand at around 1,367 cases. This is followed by Rajasthan and Delhi, who have recorded 792 and 549 cases of the new variant, respectively. Globally, the coronavirus has infected over 315 million people and caused more than 5.51 million deaths so far. Amid the recent omicron fueled surge in COVID-19 cases, Prime Minister Narendra Modi will hold a virtual meeting with the chief ministers of all states today afternoon to review the coronavirus situation across the country, the Indian Express has reported. The vaccination drive for the 15 to 18 age group has hit a roadblock in Maharashtra due to a shortage of co-vaccine, the Hindu reported. Health Minister Rajesh Tope said that Maharashtra has around 60 lakh students in the age group of 15 to 18 and 35% of them have been given their first dose. However, as per the directions from the central government, only co-vaccine needs to be administered to this particular age group. Hence, several districts have been reporting shortages. In the meeting to assess the COVID situation today, Chief Minister Udhav Thakri will demand more than 40 lakh doses from the central government to ensure that the inoculation drive proceeds smoothly. One Jaisha Mohammed militant and a policeman were killed in an anti-militancy operation held in Kulgam region of South Kashmir today. Three soldiers and two civilians were also injured in the incident. The Jaisha Mohammed militant has been identified as Babar Bhai from Pakistan. The police said that he had been an active militant since 2018 in the area of Shopian and Kulgam. One AK-47 rifle, one pistol and two grenades have been recovered from his possession. The operation was launched around 6pm in Shahpura area of Kulgam on Wednesday. The operation began when the army cordoned off houses of suspects late in the evening. Around 8.45pm, a militant opened fire with an AK rifle and lobbed a grenade. Since the area and house had civilians, the armed forces exercised restraint to first evacuate the civilians. In the process, Rohit Chib, a police constable, was wounded. Chib, who was part of the police's special operations group, succumbed to his injuries later, the Hindu reported. Three soldiers and two civilians who were also injured were evacuated to the army's 92-base hospital. One of the civilians is evacuated by an army helicopter. All the injured are stable. Moving on to updates from the UP elections. Prime Minister Narendra Modi chaired a meeting today to steer the BJP's Central Election Committee ahead of the Assembly election in Uttar Pradesh next month, the NDTV reported. The PM joined the meeting, being held at the party headquarters in Delhi online, after 42 staff members tested positive for COVID yesterday. Meanwhile, the Congress has named the mother of 2017 Unnao rape victim as its candidate for next month's assembly election in Uttar Pradesh. The name of the mother of the 19-year-old victim was released by the party's General Secretary Priyanka Gandhi Vadra today. 40% of the tickets given by the party have been reserved for women. 
Similarly, actor-activist Sadaf Jafar, who was arrested during an anti-citizenship law protest in Lucknow in December 2019, will contest next month's Uttar Pradesh election from Lucknow Central seat on a Congress ticket. Ms. Jafar, who is out on bail following arrest on charges of rioting and attempted murder, told the NDTV that she would fight to raise and address issues that matter to the people of Uttar Pradesh. On the other hand, BJP has witnessed a series of mass resignations by MLAs belonging to the backward classes. BJP MLA and backward class leader from Uttar Pradesh, Mukesh Verma, quit the BJP today. Mukesh Verma is an MLA from Firozabad in western Uttar Pradesh. According to a report by Scroll.in, he is one of the 10 BJP leaders along with Swami Prasad Maurya to have quit the party in the last three days. His resignation letter was similar to all the other MLAs which have recently resigned, blaming the party for neglecting backward castes in Uttar Pradesh. In his letter, Mr. Vama said, and I quote, The BJP government in the past five years did not pay any attention to Dalits, backward castes and minorities and disrespected people's representatives. The state government has oppressed Dalits, backward castes, farmers, unemployed youth and small and medium industries. Because of these policies, I am quitting the party. Swami Prasad Maurya is the voice of the oppressed and our leader. I am with him. Unquote. The NDTV reported that there are indications that all the leaders who quit the party are heading to Akhilesh Yadav's Samajwadi party. Additionally, BJP minister and OBC leader Dharam Singh Saini has resigned from the state cabinet. Saini is a four-time legislator from Nakur in Saharanpur and is the third minister to resign from the party just a month before the elections. Listeners, as India's most populous state goes for elections starting next month, primetime anchors at legacy media outlets are working day and night to rouse inflammatory narratives and steer public opinion with the reportage. Recently, it has come to light that even state broadcasters have been in on the massive PR events that happen in the garb of TV news. News Laundry reporters Basant and Ashwin in an investigation found that premier state broadcasting channel Doordarshan News is being used by the central government to peddle the line of the incumbent political party. An election special show broadcasted on the news channel by the name of Kya Bole UP ostensibly sought to capture the pulse of voter sentiments of the public were actually just interviews of party workers of the government. You can read the full report titled Doordarshan Election Special on UP how BJP affiliates were passed off as common citizens only on newslaundry.com. At News Laundry, factual and accurate news is the cornerstone of our reportage. But to continue bringing you such news, we cannot do without your support. We are not funded by the government or private corporations. What we do is only possible because our precious subscribers pay to keep our independent news platform running. So, as we enter the new year, if you want to take up the resolution of keeping factual and accurate news alive, go to newslaundry.com and hit that red subscription button on the top right corner today. A day after saying that the Aam Aadmi Party's chief ministerial candidate for the Punjab elections will be revealed in a week's time, the party's national convener, Arvind Kejriwal, today asked people of the state to name their choice for CM. Addressing a press conference in Chandigarh, Kejriwal, flanked by the party's Punjab president Bhagwant Maan and state in charge Raghav Chadha, launched the Janta Chunegi Apna CM drive, wherein voters can call a phone number, which is 707-487-0748, and name their choice for CM. The drive extends till the evening of January 17th. Speaking on the occasion, Maan said that Kejriwal had suggested his name be declared as the CM face, he, however, suggested that the people of the state should be asked. Kejriwal agreed to his suggestion. 
He said that this way the people would be assured of their choice. Kejriwal added that for the party, Punjab and its 3 crore Punjabis were important. The UK government today announced the launch of free trade agreement negotiations with India, describing it as a golden opportunity to put British businesses at the front of the queue of the Indian economy. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said that a free trade agreement would take the country's historic partnership with India to the next level and highlighted that Scotch whisky, financial services and cutting-edge renewable technology among some of the key sectors are set to benefit. The first round of negotiations is expected to start next week, which the British government said would make it the UK's quickest start of formal talks between negotiating teams following a launch. A trade deal with India's booming economy offers huge benefits for the British businesses, workers and consumers. As we take our historic partnership with India to the next level, the UK's independent trade policy is creating jobs, increasing wages and driving innovation across the country, Boris Johnson said. He further added that the UK has world-class businesses and expertise they can rightly be proud of, from Scotch whisky distillers to financial services and cutting-edge renewable technology. An India-UK free trade agreement is built in the UK as creating huge benefits for both countries with the potential to boost bilateral trade by up to £28 billion a year by 2035 and increase wages by up to £3 billion across the UK. El Salvador's leading news organization, El Faro, announced late yesterday evening that the phones of the majority of its employees had been hacked with the Pegasus spyware, which has been used by the governments to track human rights activists, journalists and dissidents. The news came just months after the US government blacklisted the makers of Pegasus, which is the Israeli NSO group, in an attempt to regulate the largely unregulated global spyware market. The spyware was reportedly installed on the phones of 22 reporters, editors and other small employees between July 2020 and November 2021, according to the Citizen Lab at the University of Toronto's Monk School and Access Now, the two cybersecurity watchdogs who analysed El Faro's employees' phones. The period of the reported breach is also the time El Faro was investigating the Salvadoran government's covert ties to the country's gangs and corruption scandals at the time. The government has denied any ties to the gangs in the area. Speaking to the New York Times, Carlos Tada, the founder and director of El Faro, said and I quote, Spying on journalists is completely unacceptable. It puts our sources in jeopardy, restricts our work and puts our families in danger. Unquote. Thirteen other journalists from other Salvadoran news organizations were also targeted, according to Access Now and Toronto's Monk School. The spyware had been reinfected on an El Faro journalist's phone over 40 times, making it Pegasus' most persistent hacking attempt to date. It's still unclear who was spying on the journalists using NSO surveillance technology. El Salvador's government denied responsibility. In a statement, Sofa Medina, the communications director for President Naib Bukele of El Salvador, said, the government of El Salvador is in no way related to Pegasus and is not a client of the NSO group. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch 
all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.